The first lesson is taken from St. Paul's epistle to Titus in chapter 3, starting at verse 3. At one time, we, were too fil- we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Thanks be to God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Please stand for the Gospel reading. The birth of Jesus foretold. The reading is taken from Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, for the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who is said to be barren, is is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. If you were listening carefully, you will have heard that the second reading ended with a remarkable statement. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing 
is impossible with God. Uh, Christmas is a time of frantic preparation, uh, not least for a vicar and his team. Trees to decorate, not that I did a lot of that, to be fair. Wife's Christmas present to buy. Bit of a triumph this year, I think. And uh, she, she buys everybody else's, so I just have to get the one. Parties, endless parties to attend. Such hard work being a vicar. But there is, there is at Christmas one highlight that I do my absolute best never to miss, although it clashes with the carol services these days, and I have to record it. It is, of course, Sports Personality of the Year. You won't be surprised, if you know me, to know that that is de rigueur for me every Christmas t- every year. And, of course, the build-up for this year was dominated by the Tyson Fury affair. And I confess that I have been troubled by some of his remarks, as may you have been. While I acknowledge that there are many wonderful Christians who take what is called a complementarian view of gender difference, which leads them to conclude that there is a difference in role between men and women, both in the home and the church, and that is somewhat contentious, of course, but a lot of very sensible Bible-believing Christian men and women hold that view. But even if they hold that view, they do not go around saying, and I quote, a woman's place is in the kitchen or on her back, as Tyson Fury is quoted as saying, clearly totally out of order however much you admire Jessica Ennis-Hill, for that matter, but it's still out of order. Likewise, many Christians uphold passionately, as we do here in this church, that heterosexual marriage is the appropriate uh, uh, place, uh, the God-given place for sexual intercourse. Uh, That's what we believe, but we don't go around saying that homosexuals are the same as pedophiles, as Fury appears to think. Now, frankly... You may wonder, this is a bit odd, isn't it, on Christmas Eve? You're wondering a bit, aren't you? Bear with me, stay with me. Frankly, I wouldn't care at all what Tyson Fury said about anything were it not for the fact that he says unashamedly, at the same time as saying these outrageous things, that his Lord and Saviour is Jesus Christ. You may have heard him saying that on the telly. And this presents me with a problem. You see, it says in the Bible that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It seems pretty clear that Tyson Fury does so believe. And therefore, despite his highly objectionable views, if what he says is really true, he is, according to the Bible, saved makes heaven an interesting prospect. The problem is that there would seem to be numerous, extremely respectable people about who don't hold those sort of views, or if they hold them, they keep them to themselves. Uh, Perhaps you are amongst them here this evening. Uh, You would probably not even think such things, yet alone say them. You certainly wouldn't say them publicly. And you think that the church is a tolerably good thing. Uh, You wouldn't have come here on Christmas Eve, if you didn't think that. And, of course, you're warmly welcomed. But you would struggle, perhaps, to say, with your hand on your heart, 
in the same way as Tyson Fury says, you might struggle to say, Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior. That might be a difficult thing for you to say personally. Tyson Fury proclaims it from the rooftops. Now, I have absolutely no idea, of course, whether Tyson Fury is really a born-again Christian or not. Before I was vicar of St. Andrews, I worked in an organization called Christians in Sport, and I spent a large chunk of my life making contact with well-known sports people who are alleged to be Christian. That was one of my part of my job description. I remember on one occasion I was told that one extremely famous Liverpool footballer was a born-again Christian. So I leapt in my car and headed north up the M6 to Liverpool. Well, of course, being a footballer, he didn't actually live in Liverpool. He lived in Alderley Edge or somewhere. And uh, went to investigate, only to discover that the rumor had started solely on the basis that this particular footballer had been seen at a funeral. (laughs) Uh, We may have to rewrite the Bible. Everyone who goes to a funeral is saved. Well, we've all got a chance in that case, because we'll all go to a funeral. It's not for us, of course, to judge who is and who is not saved. And I guess in Tyson Fury's case, only time will tell if his profession of faith leads to Christ-like character change and behavior, what we call, and what the Bible calls, the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of Christ working in our lives, the evidence that our faith is true and that we are, in the biblical terminology, saved. We need to become more like Christ as the Spirit takes hold of our lives. But I was struck not only by Sports Personality of the Year, but by the reading from Titus, uh, by two things in the readings in relation to this. Let me just remind you what Titus chapter 3 and verses 4 and 5 says. It says this, and this is what we are celebrating tonight here on Christmas Eve. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. That is a remarkable, striking description of Christmas. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared in Bethlehem, he saved us not because of righteous things that we had done, But because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. It would seem to be clear from what Paul writes to Titus that the righteous, i.e. the good things that we do, many of you do lots and lots of good things, I have no doubt, including, of course, coming to church, giving money to charity. Later, Johnny will explain how we're going to have an offertory for Uh, those charities working in Oxford for the homeless. It's a good thing to do, to give money to charity. There are also all sorts of good things which we can do. Helping an old lady across the road, sharing Christmas lunch with a homeless person. All these things in themselves, according to this scripture, will not guarantee us salvation. He saved us not because 
of the righteous things that we had done. They won't guarantee us salvation. In Bethlehem, on this silent night, all those years ago, the kindness and love of God appeared, and he saved us through washing, which is a symbol of forgiveness. That's what we're remembering in this communion service. Listen very carefully as we go through the service. Listen very carefully to the words that Johnny uses when we come to the communion part of our service. Listen to what it says. It says that we are saved because our sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus. That is amazing. That is amazing. He saved us, it says here also, by by renewal by the Holy Spirit. You see, what Paul is teaching Titus and he's teaching us tonight is this, that God himself comes to live not just in Bethlehem, where the Lord Jesus is born, not just in Nazareth, where he grew up 2,000 years ago, but by his Spirit in the heart of every believer. Be born in us today, we sing. So I notice that it is by God's mercy that we are saved, not by our righteous acts, however worthy they may be. The second thing I noticed was in Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, where it said, as I said at the start of this short talk, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. We are celebrating tonight a virgin birth. Impossible. Impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. We are remembering that God himself, the one who created everything and sustains the universe, died on a cross in our place. If you had been the only sinner, Jesus would have died for you. We are celebrating that God himself died in our place on a cross. God dead. Impossible. God cannot die. It's impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. We are remembering tonight as we anticipate not just a wonderful Christmas lunch or dinner tomorrow, but a banquet in heaven that a dead man came back to life, never to die again, as our forerunner into heaven. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, risen to a new kind of life, not resuscitated to die again, risen to a new kind of life, a life that is promised to us in the Bible. Impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. So it's a magical night. It's a night when the impossible becomes possible. You say, is it just possible that all those lovely people who cannot say that Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior are not saved? Is that possible? And that Tyson Fury, who says outrageous things, but does say that Jesus is his personal Lord and Savior, is it possible that he is saved? 
you say, that's impossible. Because decent people, we're decent people, and that's outrageous to think what he thinks and be like he thinks. Is it possible, is it really possible that salvation is actually dependent on the mercy of God and faith and not on righteousness at all? Is that possible? Is that really possible? Well, nothing is impossible with God. It's a thought that should trouble us a bit.